This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now it's time for the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook Pre-Game Show with Score Morning Show co-host Mully from the Mully and Haw Show, Bears long snapping Iron Man Patrick Manley, and Score Football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It's the pregame show on the score. We've got Patrick Manley. We've got Anthony Heron. We've got the Bears at the New York football Giants. Holy guacamole. One of these teams is going to be 3-1 and one at the end of the afternoon, and why not the That's Bears? Right. Hoping. Yes, that would be the dream. So um, I guess – here we are. We're talking about the Bears. It's an opportunity to perhaps talk about the quarterback. Is that the? Uh, is that what a football game means in Chicago? It's time to pick apart Justin Fields. Um, man, it is amazing to me how kind of mediocre, and when I say mediocre, I mean awful, the Bears' offense has been. And here's hoping the passing offense can catch up with the running game. How you doing, yeah, guys? Good, good morning, guys. It's good to get, catch up with you guys. And, yeah, it's unbelievable to think when we went into this season that the Bears could be 3-1 and one through four weeks. But the schedule's helped out. They've won some ugly games. And, again, today it's going to look like it's ugly as well with some weather up there in New York. Um, I think it's more important today we're going to talk about the running game for both teams. So I think Justin Fields might be out of this game plan again. Unfortunately for us as Bears fans, we want to see him grow and, and get better. But I think today with the weather that's going to be expected up there and and just this way this game's going to battle out between these two, uh, two and one ugly teams. It might just be about the running game. And I think I've I've probably been phrasing this thing slightly off balance from what reality is here because I've been phrasing it as though the Bears are are in sort of this this awkward position or have this balance to work out between developing the quarterback versus trying to win games. And I. It, 
honestly, the Bears, I think, are pretty definitive on, on how they're going about this thing. The Bears are trying to win games and, and anticipating QB development just through being a pro, just through showing up. Justin Fields doing his work every day, learning from Luke Getze within the system, making mistakes in-game, making plays in-game, and then they're anticipating that the, 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 the development will come in the midst of that. And frankly, if it doesn't, then they'll move on from him in a couple of years. But uh, I don't necessarily even think that that QB development is at the forefront of, of how they go about taking the field on Sunday. And I, and you know, I'm probably not alone, I've phrased it in that way a couple of times, that they're balancing that. I really think it's Bears fans that are that are balancing right. that. That's really where, where the juggling act comes in with our outside perception of how important is it that they're 2-1, and one, may leave the field 3-1 and one today. Like you said, Melly, should that matter as much to us as, as watching Justin Fields develop? It feels like more so right now it's the development of Justin Fields that people are more focused on, which is probably fair because we're in the midst of a season here early on where we don't expect the Bears to make the playoffs, compete for a Super Bowl, things like that. So folks are more so focused on fields. But I think the Bears are really just focused on let, let's teach all these young and inexperienced guys how to play quality football, and the quarterback is just going to be a part of that mix. And they do anticipate, I believe, development there. And if it doesn't happen, then he can, he can be like everybody else, and they move on eventually. But I don't think they're as focused taking the field Sundays on on Justin Fields' like specific development and his development being a part of the game plan they're they're trying to play complementary football and they're trying to uh kind of win in a fashion that was a real throwback fashion we don't see it as much in the modern nfl although it seems like points are down around the league this season but but as much as that's accurate 78.3 net yards passing on average per game that is, I mean, listen, the monsoon game is one thing. There are two other full games that occurred, one in which they were trailing. And they have completed a total of, what is it, Michael Jordan, 23 passes. 23 passes in three games in the National Football uh, League. And, I, I mean, what's extraordinary about that, that you know, you would, you would think that if you, like, signed your name to the SAT, you would get – a certain <laughs> score, right? So right. if you line up in the NFL, shouldn't you be able to break 100 yards pass? Their, their net passing yards are so bad. Not only is it 32nd in the league, but if you look at the scale of it, it would be like there's 31. Now here's imaginary 32, 33, 34. <laughs> yeah, they're like 47th in a 32-team yep. league. <laughs> But yeah, they are. It's bad. But uh, you know, and Anthony, I agree with everything you're saying too. That you know, this isn't just about the development of Justin Fields. This is about the development of this program. And you see this. And then going back to the less than 100 yards per game, I think they're taking the ball out of his hands. You look at three or four situations last week. It's third and six, third and 14, third and nine. I think it was, and I think there was one more that they're running the ball. They ran a QB draw. They ran, you know, handed off. Um, and I right. think they're just they're they're giving him baby steps, I guess. And I it's protecting him a little bit maybe from himself. Uh, we saw some wild throws last week, but it's also understanding that, all right, we're running the heck out of this football. We're going to win the game doing this, and then we'll just develop them as time goes on, not just force feed them all right in, fr- uh, you know, right in front of us. And the run game, the success that they're running the football with, that does end up factoring into the, the volume of passes and the success or lack thereof in the passing game. Because when you're running it as well as they run it, then 
frankly, it makes sense with, right. with a young quarterback, a second-year quarterback, to continue running the rock, to have that, you know, I, I guess balance the offensive game plan would be one thing. And the way Luke Getze has called pass plays, it has been fairly balanced. They haven't all turned into passes because Justin Fields has take, taken off and run at times, and certainly there have been sacks at times as well. But I think on the whole, he's called the game fairly balanced, even though they've been running the balls effectively as they have. And so that context is important in the scope of, of recognizing that, yes, the passing game is – I mean, struggling is putting it mildly. The passing <laughs> game is bad for the Bears, while at the same time, how are they trying to implement the game plan? How much trust do they have in fields and the passing game on a whole? Like third and 14, third and 17, third and 10 backed up. It's not a good idea to drop back and throw the football with a passing attack like this anyway. Now, third and medium, all right, but we got a different conversation there. But some of these third and longs, especially with as bad as the Bears' field position has been in these games, they shouldn't have dropped back and thrown the ball. But it's just one of those things we want to see it because we want every opportunity to see whether or not Justin Fields in this passing offense can make a big play, make a chunk play. But within the context of just trying to win and manage the game, they shouldn't be throwing it on third and long backed up. No, I, I'm with you, and I agree with that with his development where he is right now. But I think what we're hoping as Bears fans is that in the future, that when it's third and 14 and you're backed up, a third and six, that you're putting the ball in his hands, saying make a play, get us a first down, get us out of this backed up position. Let's not just run a five-yard draw and then punt and try to get the ball back. You know what I mean? That's what I think uh-huh. we're all hoping for. But now I'm starting to see that, okay, I understand in his development what he's doing, what we're seeing in the middle of the field and some of the other pass plays. That's the right thing to do in those situations. But I'm hoping in the future, maybe it's this year, maybe it's this week. I don't think it's going to be this week, but maybe it's later in this season that when it is third and 14, you're backed up. Third and nine, you're backed up. You're like, all right, Justin, your turn. We're calling a play for you to get us out of here to keep moving the chains instead of trying to punt the ball and play defense. Like when it's second and 20, we're not confident it's going to end in a punt. Like, all right, let's yes. just yes, let's just right, make sure exactly. we protect the ball for two plays yep. and punt it. Maybe yes. they can pick up a first let's down. Let's get into in a third scenario. and manageable. Let's see if you can get 10 yards and see if we right. can get it there. Yeah, so that, that's what I want to see the growth, and I understand what they're doing now. And what you talked about earlier was, was spot on of how they're calling this game. And, and as a result of uh, of the way they're calling the game and what they're doing, the, um, the over-under in the game is not expected to be especially high. It is uh, – it's under 40 points, uh, the over-under, according to the fine folks in, uh, in Lost Wages, Nevada. But I, I'm just curious, does, does, how impacted is that by the fact that Cairo Santos is out, that the Bears field goal kicker has a personal issue and will not, did not travel with the team to this game in, in uh, uh, the Meadowlands, and instead – it's going to be the, uh, I believe he's called the uh, the money badger, badger. Uh, <laughs> Michael Badgley. I'm playing catch up on this guy. They signed him to the practice squad. They had like a little tryout type thing late in the week. I mean, he's bounced around. He's available. They sign him. And now the native of Summit, New Jersey, uh, returns to his home state to hopefully kick the Bears into glory. When you're playing a field position game, when you're trying to control uh, time and tempo and the score is going to be low, it's a really big deal to lose your uh, arguably your, your most solid offensive weapon in your kicker. I, I think it's huge, and especially today. I'm looking at the weather today. They have, you know, I think that hurricane's kind of the remnants of theirs going through there. They have gusts of you know, sustained 15 miles an hour up to 30. Wow. So that's going to be a really difficult situation to score points by kicking. Actually, 
Anthony, this morning, uh, your, your co-host Jim Miller texted me and asked me how important I think, you know, the kicking game is today. And it, it is. I think it's huge. Like you talked about, Molly, that points are at a premium between both of these teams. You know, both of these teams struggle to get it in the end zone. So this is this is huge. But this Michael Badgley, I guess what, last year with the Colts played 12 games, was 18 of 21, which is pretty good. Um, but there must be a reason why he's bounced around from the Colts, Chargers, Titans, and Jags. But um, it's, it's going to be a premium. And you hope that he can walk in and – and make his kicks, but it's going to be difficult today. Um, and it is hard, too, and I'll talk about the operation between snapper and holder. The one thing is, is, is the, the rookie punter is a pretty darn good holder. I'm so impressed of how good he mm. is coming into the league. So I don't think they'll struggle with that unless there is issues with the you know, ball being wet and wind thing, and things like that. But uh, the other good thing is Michael Badgley's played for a lot of teams, played with a lot of holders, played with a lot of long snappers. So he can seems to me when you when you've done that, enough with a lot of guys you can adapt a little bit more it's harder like when Robbie Gold when I left with Robbie Gold and we had new snappers and holders coming in he, he struggled with that a little bit because we worked together so much um, but you just hope that that comes together and and that they'll be fine I think they'll be fine with our operation let's just hope he can make the kicks in this win because it's going to be it's going to be difficult to score points today it's just both teams it's going to be difficult I think and it's great that you bring up the the operation itself because that, that's really fact you know it's a huge factor within you know awful weather conditions but frankly just the comfort for yes. a kicker themselves because you need to be so crisp and clean and you know rhythmic with the snap the hold and getting the ball off in time while somebody's screaming off the edge or you're trying to get penetration up the middle just to throw off the timing and perhaps even block a kick there and the, the mentality of a kicker is just it's, it's just this odd thing where guys can get into rhythm and become yep. great guys can get out of rhythm and get the yips and you never know what the factors are that go into that, but the comfort for that position ends up seeming like something that matters as much as anything. Just are they comfortable and confident within the process and within their ability to make big kicks in games? Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. for a game like we're going to have today, you wonder how that even does end up factoring into the game plan itself, where there was this comfort for what Cairo Santos had proven over the last couple of seasons. All right, if it ends up being where we're going to get a low 50-something or a high 40-something yard field goal, cool. We, we kind of feel like we can count on three points out of that. It's not likely to be the case today. So it, are there potential for you get into a certain field position? Maybe some fourth downs get tried as opposed to that. You know, yeah. Does it ramp up the potential aggression of what we would see as aggression in the offensive game plan? Just because Matt Eberflus, while a defensive guy, he does consider himself – kind of a metrics-based guy, a numbers-based guy. And I wonder how much the, the scales tip towards maybe some more fourth-down type aggression in a matchup like this today because you don't know for sure that, you, that you've got a kicker you can count on. No, it's Pat, true, too. And it, it, real quick, this, the pregame here for, for Michael Badgley is going to be like a little practice tryout mm. as well because he's going to be out there with Coach Hightower, and they're going to try to figure out, like you talked about, can he make a 50-yarder? Can he make a 45-yarder? How comfortable is he today? Is he in rhythm? How comfortable is he with uh, Gill and, and, and Scale? So that's, it'll be an interesting pregame for him as well. So it's almost like a little, a little mini tryout. He's made the team, right? But this is a little mini tryout right. before the game to figure out what the game plan is going to be in the kicking game. Yeah, yeah, that's call. what I was going to ask you, Pat. You usually determine um, exactly what the distance is based on what the guy's doing in the, you know, against the wind, with the wind, whatever it might be in the, in the stadium you're at. This is a really interesting one because of the weather, because I would imagine that the MetLife surface would be really slippery. And how does that impact the ball? I mean, is there any, do you have to, you know, I'm thinking of Cairo Santos in the first game in the monsoon where, you know, it seemed like he was 
trying to overcompensate on his second attempt after he mm-hmm. missed the first one. And I, I just wonder how the win, the ra- how does that affect the, the ball and the way that you have to adjust for it? I think the biggest thing is going to be the win today. When you see the gusts between 15 to 30, so that's going to be a big gust. You know, you can just yep. – you can kick a straight ball and think you've made it, and it's get half halfway to the goalpost, and it's it's going left to right, and that's not because of the kicker's fault. That's just the gust of wind. So, to me, that's that's the biggest issue you have to deal with. And you just maybe as the game goes along, you figure out the frequency of these gusts, what they're like, and then that's when you can you can actually set the cadence up to when you want the ball snapped. If it's gusting, you stop for a second. If it's and then once it stops gusting, you go ahead and snap the ball and kick it. We've had to do that before. I don't know if it'll be that severe today, but it looks like it online that it could be, that you have to do that as well. So that's another factor. You have to deal with a new kicker with a new holder and a new snapper all working together. So, yes, the biggest thing I don't think is going to be the wetness of the field or anything like that. It's going to be the wind and the wind gusts and how you deal with that. Well, you wonder stuff. how much of a sense that they've even gotten. You know, whatever the personal issue is that Cairo mm-hmm. Santos is dealing with right. that has him out, it's obviously a big deal. If, if he's missing a game, hasn't even traveled with the team, so, you know, is, is Michael Badgley, is he in a position? Have they, how have they communicated with him? And he, even thinking that, is this a one-game situation? Is this something right. that could go on for several weeks? I wonder how much the Bears know about that, how much the locker room right. knows about that. And, you know, if Badgley is looking at this, I mean, obviously it's a tryout for all 32 teams if he's not going to be a long-term guy for the Bears here in Chicago. But, you know, if they've in, indicated that maybe Santos isn't going to be here for a while, then it's a really important day for him just career-wise where maybe this is going to be a, a stretch where he's going to have an opportunity to at least be with the squad for a few weeks. Perhaps. No one really seems to know yet. And, and you mentioned Robbie. I mean – that's how Robbie joined the Bears, right? Mm-hmm. They, there yep. was a he, he won a kickoff in a tryout situation uh, at uh, Hallis Hall, and and look, he became a, a a Pro Bowl kicker, and he's still going. So I, I mean, this is a different deal because this guy is not a young player. This is a guy that uh, is I think he's 27. So yes. hopefully he understand. You know, if he's from New Jersey, hopefully he knows the weather patterns and and has a, a, a some. Um, time on under his belt dealing with this sort of weather and and he'll have the home crowd on his side no doubt about that <laughs> yeah right All everybody right. knows <laughs> we're gonna yeah we're gonna head out to, to new jersey we're gonna uh bring in uh, paul dotino from the fan wfan in uh in new york and we'll talk uh, about what's going on with the new york football giants you're listening to the pregame show it's here on the score this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. There's plenty of ups and downs in this business. And I think if you ride a roller coaster as a leader, that doesn't do anybody any good uh, that are either playing, coaching, members of the organization. Uh, again, as long as you do things throughout the week, uh, the way we expect them to be done, the standard that we want them to be done, you can live with, with the results. You don't like the results, it doesn't mean you're you know, happy about a result, but I think uh, an important part of leadership is uh, consistency and positive communication. It's the pregame show on the score. We, of course, are... Uh are delighted to welcome in Paul Dottino with WFAN in New York, and he joins us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Paul, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Great to talk to you. And I was just telling your producer before we got on the air, wind gusts of about 35 miles an hour today here in the Meadowlands, so the Bears should feel right at home. Wow, that is something else. 35 miles an hour. Is there a lot of rain expected, Paul? Off and on throughout the course of the day. Could be early during the first quarter. Then it looks like it might stop and then pick up probably in the fourth quarter again. So off and on. And it's it's one of those days where, uh, you know, if you're on the losing sideline, it is cold and wet. So how are the Giants situated for playmakers right now? Because it feels like it's almost the the Spider-Man meme between the two squads where folks are trying to figure out what's happening with the quarterback, but then the development of the quarterback seems hampered by a lack of playmakers. But, hey, they can run the the ball uh, for the Giants, especially with some injuries there. Who are the main playmakers, not named Saquon Barkley, that are even available? Well, they've got Matt Breida, and as you know, he was called uh, Breida the Cheetah when he came out of school some years ago. He's got tremendous speed coming out of the backfield, and it wouldn't surprise me if they try to use him in some, some passing game stuff in this game, whether it be a screen or, or you know, uh, one of those uh, uh, running back uh, circle routes that goes down the sideline because he's got that kind of breakaway speed. So he may be called upon a little bit to – to kind of make some plays today. And then you've got two guys who have NFL pedigree, but to this point have basically collected dust. Uh, That'd be Kenny Galladay, who's averaged over 16 yards a catch during his career, had 2,000-yard seasons with Detroit, went to a Pro Bowl. I mean, was signed to be a number one receiver before last season here in New York, but fought through four different injuries last year. Uh, the change of quarterback when Jones got hurt and Mike Glennon came in, and that didn't work out very well. And so Galladay finished the season without any touchdown catches last year, and he was very embarrassed about it. Well, this year, for whatever the reason, and nobody seems to really been able to get to the bottom of it, he's been buried at the bottom of the depth chart. Well, that can't happen anymore. This is a, a guy with, with a proven pro track record. He needs to be that number one receiver today. If he is, he'll slice the Bears to ribbons. Uh, Darius Slayton is another guy. Averaged over 15 yards a catch the first three years of his NFL career. Last two years, been beset by injuries and has kind of struggled a little bit and been inconsistent. Again, collecting dust during the first few games of the season. He is a legit receiver. 
caught eight touchdown passes as a rookie with 750 yards. Uh, he's a deep threat, can take you over the top. It's about time the Giants break these two guys out and say, go do some damage. All right, Paul, you talked about those playmakers, but let's talk about the people up front trying to protect Daniel Jones. Can you break down this offensive line for us? I know they struggled mightily against the Cowboys last week, but where are the biggest holes there, and then how is Andrew Thomas playing? Andrew Thomas is playing at a Pro Bowl level. You can make an argument he's one of the top two or three tackles at the left side right now in the National Football League. He's an absolute beast in the run game, and he has really come along now in the passing game. So athletic. Uh, can handle any kind of any kind of rusher. He's been just terrific. Everything the Giants wanted him to be when they drafted him a couple of years back. Now, when you go across the rest of the line, there, there are four new parts. Four out of the five pieces along that offensive line were replaced during the course of the offseason. And then to boot, Shane Lemieux, who was supposed to be the starting left guard for the second year in a row, got hurt. And so then they had to, during training camp, make another change at left guard. And that, to me, right now, is the biggest problem for this offensive line. Uh, Evan Neal is going to make rookie mistakes at right tackle. He made a few last week against Dallas. That's going to happen to every rookie. So you live with that. You just have to as he matures and, and you know, gets his feet under him. He is 6'7", 340 pounds, destroys people in the run game. But in terms of speed rushers, he still has a lot to learn. So you go through those growing pains. It's okay. That's, that's going to happen. they got two condominiums at both tackles. The Giants are going to be in great shape there for years to come. Now, the interior lines where it gets a little sticky. Mark Lewinsky comes over as a free agent during the offseason from the Colts. He's a good run blocker, but has a little bit of trouble picking up stunts and a little bit of quickness issues. Okay? Uh, but he's a great improvement over what they had last year. Same thing at center. John Feliciano, former Bills guard, comes into play center with the Giants. Uh, situation's very simple. He has had some troubles being overmatched over the first few weeks of the season. So when you're dealing with all these new parts on the line, they got chemistry issues to begin with, communication issues that still need to be ironed out when they've only played together now for three weeks. You can imagine there's going to be some warts. That's just the way it is. But in the run game, yeah, they're, they're certainly doing what they need to do in the run game. You're listening to the pregame show here on The Score. It's presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today, and we're talking to Paul Dottino. He is WFAN Giants reporter, Paul with the fan in New York. And um, I guess as I look at the Giants and I think about this matchup, we know both teams are good running the ball, and both teams have, have struggled stopping the run. Um, Leonard Williams is still out with a knee. Has that been the biggest blow to the interior uh, uh, run defense? And and I guess Jalen Smith, is he playing now? Will he help with those run fits that we saw really kind of struggle on Monday night? Yeah. All right, let, let me just finish up the, the first answer, which I should have given you before. Joshua Azudu, third-round draft pick rookie, is the run-blocking left guard. If he's in there, you pretty much know the Giants want to just pound the ball. If Ben Bredesen, the veteran, is in the left guard, he's supposed to be the better pass protector, but physically he gets overmatched. So let me just finish that. That's something you guys can look for while you're watching the game. On the other side, it's really simple. Leonard Williams is an outstanding two-way defensive lineman. The Giants missed him terribly last week. He's got a sprained MCL. 
first game he's ever missed in high school, college, or the pros, and it hurt this team dramatically against the Cowboys. Uh, he's not playing again today, as you know, second week in a row. Now, they had brought Jalen Smith back, an inside linebacker. He is a read and downhill inside the tackles, gap-stuffing linebacker. He is limited. He does not have the full repertoire. He's not a guy you're going to want to move sideways. You're not going to want to have him in coverage. He is a downhill, straight-ahead, stuff-the-gaps linebacker. He's a run-first and basically run-only stopping backer. They signed him a few days before the Dallas game. Clearly, they didn't think that he was going to be ready. He played with the Giants the last month of last season, averaged five tackles a game. They must have not thought he was ready to face the Cowboys, and they paid for it because their interior linebackers, Tay Crowder, Austin Calicro, and Micah McFadden, those are the three guys they'll rotate in there. They're not real gap stuffers. And so the Giants needed to do something about that. Smith did not get on the field against Dallas, so with no Smith and no Williams, they paid for it. Well, I think they got the guy to plug that hole now. The plumber has come to fix the leak. Jalen Smith was activated, signed yesterday to the 53. He will mitigate the loss of Williams as the Bears try to run it. A couple of examples that I've been using in Chicago, really since even before the season, as, as people have, have asked about Justin Fields in his second year and whether or not the Bears have to know something about him right now, I've used the examples of Tua Tagovailoa in Miami. And they waited multiple years into his career before surrounding him with talent and really kind of giving him a prove-it season here. And Daniel Jones, of course, older than both of them. Where, where is Daniel Jones just with, within the scope of his perception in the city of New York and whether or not there's still some, some potential staying power for him to be the Giants quarterback? There's just so much residue over the course of, of the first three years he's played here because of all the different things that collapsed around him. He's dealing with his fourth different offensive coordinator in five years if you go back to his days at Duke. So this guy has been through living hell. John Mara, the Giants co-owner, said before the season, we've done everything we can to screw this kid up. And they really have in the last three years. So now they finally think they got it right. They got the healthy Saquon Barkley. He was playing like he did as a rookie when he had 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Uh, they've got an offensive line that's the best it's been, albeit still trying to gel, okay, still trying to gel. They, they, they're not where they need to be yet, but it's still probably the most talented offensive line they've had since Daniel Jones took the ball. So, so that's a little bit of a step in the right direction. Now, the receiving core, obviously it's banged up. No Tony, no Wondell Robinson, now Sterling Shepard's out for the year. All three of those guys were supposed to be big parts of this offense. So there's no doubt that's a problem. And rookie Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State is the starting tight end right now. And he was primarily a blocker in school. So you can understand where Jones is still having to navigate some hurdles. But over the first three weeks of the season, he's actually played extremely well. And most football people who understand the game will tell you he had one of the best games of his career against Dallas last week. He played his butt off, made all the right decisions, made a bunch of terrific throws, and despite the fact that he was hit 12 times, they gave up 24 pressures. They had five drop passes, and here they were with 90 seconds to go. They've got the ball down by a touchdown with the ball and a chance to tie the game. 
even after all of those disastrous things that happened. They had eight penalties called against them. And the only reason that game ended the way it did is David Sills, again, inexperienced receiver, slips and falls near midfield. And, of course, on the timing route, the ball goes where the ball's got to go. And Diggs makes a nice interception against the turf and finishes the Giants off. Uh, Daniel Jones doesn't have much to blame for at all. I think people, people who understand the game understand how well he's doing, and he's on his way right now, if he continues, he's on his way to being the Giants quarterback for a while. That's interesting. I, I was, I was going to follow up question. That was going to be my follow up question. Would he be there for a while because they didn't offer him that fifth year option? But you answered that question. My other question is this. This is the matchup I'm looking forward to. It's actually against player versus coach. It's Justin Fields versus Wink Martindale. Last year, he was the defense coordinator of the Ravens. They ended up knocking Justin Fields out of the game. They have aggressive game plan. They disguise coverages, run all these different looks. Has he brought that same style of defense over to New York? Oh, yeah. Oh, has he ever. You're, you're going to see stuff. We, we've seen three entirely different defensive schemes in the first three weeks of the season. I don't know which one Justin Fields is going to see today. I don't know if he's going to see a meatloaf of a couple of those weeks or all three of those weeks, or if he may see defensive scheme number four. Honestly, it, there's no way to tell. Wink Martindale is, is playing kaleidoscope with his defense, especially the guys in the front seven. And if you are not extremely smart or have a really good game plan that's going to get the ball out of that quarterback's hands in a moment's notice, uh, it's going to be a big problem for you and your linemen. Dallas was a very fortunate team last week because they were able to run it, run it, run it, and run it because Williams wasn't in the game and Jalen Smith hadn't been activated and the Giants were pretty much helpless to stop that run game. And that allowed Dallas to escape with a win. I mean, I, I, you know, Tom Coughlin used to tell us all the time, more games are lost in this league than are won. Well, that game was lost by the Giants rather than the Cowboys beating them. So I, I look at this game and I'm like, if the Giants play to the standard that they're supposed to play, and Jalen Smith does plug the run to an adequate level, Justin Fields is going to have a very long day. Uh, I'm just curious, Saquon Barkley, obviously a huge story in New York and a guy that looks like he's back to where he was when he first came into the league after a couple of years of injuries. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really it's something to behold. He, uh, he, he claims that he's even better because of the experience and the knowledge that he's gained because physically, he is back. They've gone through all the measurements. You guys know they put the scientific GPS devices on these guys during training camp and during practice, and then they got those next-gen stats running during the course of the games. And, you know, he's gotten it up to over 21 miles an hour uh, on one of his runs earlier this year and then did another one over 20 miles an hour. Now, Saquon Barkley physically – is everything that he was as a rookie. But now with the maturity, the experience, uh, having a bit more trust in a line that's certainly the best run-blocking line, and that's a fact. Regardless of what we think about that pass protection right now, this is the best run-blocking offensive line the Giants have had in forever. And Barkley loves running behind these guys, and he trusts them, and he's much more confident and decisive, and that's problems for the rest of the league. Because when Saquon Barkley has that thing going in third gear – he is something to watch. So, yeah, and I think that the problem right now is that I'd like to see him more involved in the pass game. 
not just run of the ball, you know, 17 times or whatever it is, 18, 20 times. I'd like to see him catch five or six passes a game because there's so much he can do when you get him out in the open. Paul Dottina. Paul, did you pick the Giants? What do you think? Yeah. I, think. <laughs> I mean, if they, don't, if they don't win this game by at least two scores, something's wrong, to be frank wow. with you. As long as they play to their standard, you're talking about a middleweight team. The Giants are a middleweight team. They're not a heavyweight contender. They're not one of those top teams that are, that are going to be playing for the NFC Championship. That's not the case. They're a middleweight contender. The Bears, they're probably welterweights. Uh, I, yeah, I, if the Giants play the game that they're supposed to play, of course, again, the weather could, could cause a lot of trouble with this game, even though it's artificial turf. Uh, this should be a comfortable Giants win. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Be good, guys. Thanks, Paul. That is Paul Dattino, WFAN. Comfortable Giants win? I think that's what he maybe, said. Uh, you know, maybe he's a homer. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty Let's bullish on this squad. <laughs> yeah. What was the movie? Was it Ryan's daughter? It would, they filmed this movie in Ireland, and the star of the movie messed with the wrong guy, and some little welterweight boxer hospitalized him. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Bad analogy. Beware the flyweight, guys. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. All right. right. Well, uh, I, you know, we got to talk about the connections uh, with the um, – I mean, these are both first-year coaches. These are both mm-hmm. guys that are uh, uh, new general managers. The two guys in New York interviewed in Chicago. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the reflection of, uh, of George McCaskey. Are his fingerprints mm-hmm. all over this game? It's uh, the pregame show here on The Score. The leadership part stands out. I mean, when he's in front of the room, and that's the one thing you don't know, you know, in the interview process. Um, but when he gets in front of the room, everyone's locked in, and he's passionate about what he does. And uh, he has everyone's attention. By the time you're done with the team meeting, you want to go play football immediately after. It's the pregame show here on The Score, and that, of course, is the voice of Ryan Poles, the general manager of the team. And Ryan uh, was hired by the Bears, uh, and he uh, did the hiring of the head coach of Matt Eberflus. And I think what's fascinating is, you know, you kind of had this game, you were looking at this game because uh, two of the candidates that the Bears brought in, the Bears did a kind of unconventional uh, search. They interviewed a lot of people. They uh, George McCaskey put together a committee. The committee included Ted Phillips. It included Bill Polian um, and uh, Tanisha Wade, who's the senior vice president of diversity um, and uh, equity uh, and inclusion. Uh, Lamar Soup Campbell was the vice president of player engagement. He has since been let go. He was let go by Ryan Poles. But those were the, the people involved in the committee, and they, they interviewed uh, 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 Joe Shane, who later became the, the Giants' GM. They interviewed Brian Dable. I don't know how serious a candidate he was. Bill Polian's son played high school football with Brian Dable. The thinking was that there was a big connection there. And, and, and I guess the question isn't really whether the Bears got it right. I think we like what we've seen thus far early in the season uh, from Matt Eberflus and, and Ryan Poles. The question would be, do you consider this some sort of barometer in the hiring practices of George McCaskey? Does George have anything on the line with people he didn't hire against people he did hire? 
I, I'm definitely looking at it that way. Because, I mean, you look all the way back to, to Phil Emery when he hired him to what the Bears have gone through to now. It's been up and down. You know, I had one good season in 18, but it's been a lot of down. And now, sure, I'm going to look at the Giants and see how well those two guys do together. I'm going to balance or, – or it's not balance – compare those two teams for, for the future. And I hope we got it right finally. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping these two guys that we have are the right guys. And I will compare them to those guys because it's just been – some really bad hires over the last decade. So this is definitely a, a you know something I'm going to be watching to see how well they do in New York. Without a doubt. And that, that comparison, it happens a lot with quarterbacks, of course. It happens with head coaches. We've done it in this city with, with head coaches with past you know hires that, that could have been or we thought were going to be, you know, whether you're talking Dick Gerard or anything else. You're just wondering, all right, how do, they, how do they not get this right? And then, of course, there have been a – couple of quality hires mixed in there. But Brian Dayball, if he goes to New York and, and turns the Giants around, enhances um, you know, and enhances the quarterback position with Daniel Jones and, and turns into something lasting there in a city that's just a star for success as Chicago is, then, yeah, that, that's something that, that George McCaskey, that the Bears will be judged by if there's not success with Matt Eberflus here in Chicago. Now, both organizations right now for this particular season are at different points where you, you got a, a fourth-year quarterback in Jones, and they still haven't necessarily put a, a lot of expenses into uh, a lot of expense into surrounding him with a bunch of offensive talent. But there is an expectation there this season to come in and compete right away. Whereas the Bears went about tearing things down and you know right. depleting the roster of of money, resources, talent, and what have you. So you know between the two, if the Bears come out of this game and they're the team that's three and one afterwards, then it's certainly you know, for the moment, shines a, a nice light, shines a, a kind light upon Hiram Matt Eberflus over Brian Dayball just for where the expectations were for each of these teams coming into the season. And, and it, you know, what's fascinating is uh, the Giants were 4-13 and last year. Maybe the huge difference there is that Barkley is back and he is healthy. Mm-hmm. And Barkley looks like a different player. And that is – I mean, he's their best player, frankly – and that has given them a, a different feeling, and you can build an offense around that, whatever. We'll see how both these uh, organizations do with the quarterback. You know, obviously there's more information on Daniel Jones out there than there is on, on Justin Fields. He, he hasn't played as much, but there is sort of a lot of kind of negative thought on, uh, on uh, Daniel Jones Pat, do you know him at all? He's a dookie. Did you I, obviously I, you've seen him? Do you know him? I at don't all? know him at all, but you know a, a lot of his history, and you know I think people know that he went to the Manning passing camps. David Cutcliffe, the former Duke coach, was his you know I guess offensive coordinator, head coach at Duke, and I think gave a lot of you know positives to uh, the teams out there to get him drafted as high as he was. I watched him a lot in college. He was good. I was kind of shocked that he became a first rounder. I thought he was more of a second or third round guy, kind of like David Mills we saw or Davis Mills we saw last week. But um, I don't know him. But he's just been super inconsistent. He's been very, very inconsistent. And a lot of that Paul talk. Paul actually surprised me when he said he believes Daniel will stay there for a long time. I think when you don't give a quarterback that fifth year option, I think you're just kind of moving on. You know, you're you're, you're hoping that. You know, I don't think you're going to franchise him unless he goes off and has an unbelievable year. I mean, I think that's the only thing you're going to to do with him. But I just don't see him uh, playing for the Giants in the future. Maybe Paul knows more, but that's just what I see. But I, he's, he's, he's just had too much of an up-and-down career. He hasn't shown the consistent flashes I would like to see. I think he's impressive the way he can run the ball like Justin Fields can. He can pull it down and run it. But he's turned the ball over way too much, not just fumbles, but also interceptions. So 
Um, he's, he's got a big, you know, big year in front of him to see if he can maybe play for, I think he's playing for another team to be a starter on another team. Mm. And, and Anthony, you, what about, what about Barkley? You, you are a big 10 guy. You cover the big 10. Um, I'd be curious to know Barkley was like as big a star as we've seen coming out yeah. of Penn state. Very rare for a running back to be taken that high. Where's he at from what you're looking at on tape versus what you saw with him coming out? The explosive talent has always been there. He he was a generational talent when he came out of Penn State because of the combination of size, speed, elusiveness. He is an excellent pass receiver. He's got hands out of the backfield. He may not you know be a guy who kind of you know routes you up like a slot receiver or anything, but he can run routes well enough, and he does have excellent hands. So he's kind of that that total package. He's not necessarily. He hasn't been. He wasn't in college. And he really hadn't been until this season in the NFL kind of a downhill, an effective downhill runner, which is odd because of his size, his, his thickness. And he does have explosive power. He just usually chooses not to use it. I'd say as much as anything, that's the biggest jump I've seen from a healthy Saquon Barkley this season. He's still not necessarily an intimidating runner who's going to just impose his will on defenders physically but there's always been this misnomer since going back to when he was still an amateur athlete that Barkley where you see the size the thickness it's obvious that he is powerful and all that burst in the open field and it's always been assumed that he's this guy who can just run through the chin strap of a defender he can he's just never really chosen to do that he prefers more to operate like Barry Sanders as opposed to Earl Campbell, and he's excellent in that regard with the elusiveness and burst and everything else that he brings to the table. But I would say this season is the most physical version of Saquon Barkley that I've ever seen. Now that he's healthy, and just like we talk about quarterbacks just kind of taking your profit sometimes, and I've I've talked about David Montgomery even here in Chicago and his development needing to just be more of a north-south runner sometimes instead of trying to find someone to fake out in the backfield (laughs) so frequently – that's been an issue for Saquon Barkley, too. He's just this elite-level athlete that's gotten away with it a good bit. But in that same vein as, as what used to be the case with Barry Sanders, like my old D-line coach in, uh, in Detroit, Charles Haley, he would talk about playing against Barry Sanders, and there's clips. like People listening right now can go to YouTube and probably find some old Barry Sanders clips when they play against the Cowboys or the 49ers, and Charles Haley would be on the backside. And Barry Sanders would run a sweet play, a toss to the wide side of the field, and the scouting report would be, if he gets it, if he goes way in one direction, he's going to cut it back to you eventually. And you can see clips of Charles Haley just chattering his feet on the backside, just waiting. You know, he's not chasing Barry Sanders at all. He's just chattering his feet on the backside with his shoulders square, just waiting for Barry Sanders to cut it back to him. And that's really the same style that Saquon Barkley throughout his career has usually run the football with. But I would say he's added some power. He's added some willingness to get north and south and just press the hold now in a way that he really hadn't before. And I, I think that's a big part of what's made him even more effective this season. Great Charles Haley story. Supposedly mm-hmm. when he was with uh, the Niners, they lost to Dallas, and he went in the locker room and tore the thing apart and just, I mean, absolutely lost his mind. They said that he wound up and he was like in the fetal position, weeping after losing this game, after destroying everything he could find. And, and Jimmy Johnson was like, Let's go get that guy. We have to get the, that guy. And they were all like, Jimmy, he's he's unhinged. Like you, he's, he, he's emotionally out of control. And Jimmy said, that guy hates losing as much as I do. And that's how they went after. Well, listen, Charles Haley was a phenomenal player, but I just uh, love that story that he lost his stuff and that somehow encouraged Dallas to sign him. And he was great there too. 
You got to sign Ken yeah, Dorsey. He, he was a great yeah. player. In a variety of ways, <laughs> Does it Ken count? He sounds just, like that as well. If you beat up the computer, <laughs> that's, and, right, and, that's right. Are you allowed? If Tom can break a bunch of uh, of the iPads, can, are you allowed to break a computer? Should they bring a computer down and and, and have uh, Tom break those instead? If he gets frustrated on the sideline, that's awesome. Oh, man. Oh, hilarious, hilarious reference. All right, we've got to uh, we got to talk about the Bears running back, right? Who cares what's going on with New York? Oh, only Paul Dottino. Well, let's, uh, let's get to Khalil Herbert. We'll talk about uh, his opportunity in this game, uh, what is at stake for him. And, uh, you know, one man misses, another man gets an opportunity. That's how life works. We'll discuss it next. It is the pregame show here on The Score. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 